With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Over the past three years, Rod and I have brought you stories about the history of the Appalachian region. Stories about pioneers like Christopher Gist and Daniel Boone. Stories about the first settlers who established their own state, Franklin, in the mountains of what later became Tennessee. Stories about celebrities like Hank Williams and the Carter family. Well, today we're going to tell you a story about a rock from space. I'm Steve Gilley, along with Rod Mullins, and you're listening to Stories, A History of Appalachia. Steve, we certainly can't forget we told a lot of stories in there about, like you said, Christopher Gist, Daniel Boone, Hank mm-hmm. Williams. But we certainly can't forget the Tarzan of Appalachia. Nobody's going to forget about Tarzan of Appalachia. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to talk about a rock from space. Yes, we are. Okay, well, let's live long and prosper and get on our way and find out about this rock from space. All righty. Well, you know, science says human beings have been on this earth in one form or another for hundreds of thousands of years. And in all that time, nobody had been hit by a meteorite until the 20th century. And guess where that unlucky person was from? By Appalachia, of course. Yes, of course. (laughs) All right. You see, Oak Grove is a little village outside Sylacauga, Alabama, in Talladega County. And November 30th, 1954, started out as a bright, sunny, happy day, like many others in that part of Alabama. Well, that day, though, did not end that way, at least for 31-year-old Ann Elizabeth Hodges. Did it, Rod? No, because on that day, Mrs. Hodges was taking a nap on her couch in her living room. As she lay there snoozing, she was awakened by what she thought was an explosion in the house causing her to jump off the couch to see what had happened. As soon as she got up, she immediately felt a severe pain on her left hip and on her arm, then noticed a rock lying on the floor next to the couch. That rock, about the size and roughly the shape of a softball, was heavy, weighing about eight and a half pounds. Later inspection revealed that this rock or meteorite had hit her roof, punching a hole in it, nicking a rafter, and then putting a hole in the ceiling of the living room. It then struck a radio, bouncing off it to hit Anne on the hip and arm, causing a massive bruise through the quilts that she had herself covered up in to keep warm. Now, we have to point out, too, this was well before airplanes and those little blue chunks of ice falling out of airplanes during that time. Isn't it, Steve? Well, that's true. That's also pretty rare to be hit by those as well, but that's true. Yeah. This was actually a rock, a rock from beyond. Let's just put it that way. Anyway, once Anne figured out what had happened, she called the authorities and after they were done, she went to the hospital to be checked out. The local police, though, weren't too keen on saying that this was an object from space, at least at first. They initially called it a, get this, Rod, a piece of burnt limestone that was commonly found in that part of Alabama. Now, 
Mm. How burnt limestone ended up falling through her roof and hitting her, I have no idea. Anyway, a government geologist working in a nearby quarry was brought to the scene. He's the one that proclaimed that what they had was a real live meteorite. Other folks in town weren't so sure, thinking that a plane had crashed or that the Soviet Union had shot something over to Alabama from the other side of the world in an attack. After the meteor had been taken by the U.S. Air Force, though, the rock was determined to indeed be of extraterrestrial origin. Now, what had happened was this. A large meteor hit the Earth's atmosphere earlier in the day. At about 1 o'clock central time, the pressure and heat generated by the meteor streaking through the air caused it to explode on a fireball, visible in the daytime sky from Alabama, Georgia, and Mississippi. One eyewitness who was, ironically enough, an explosives expert setting off TNT at that moment described hearing a massive explosion, which he initially thought was also TNT, but he quickly realized it had come from the sky. He looked up, he observed a giant black mushroom cloud with a corkscrew tail at the bottom. Seconds after the explosion, fragments from that large space rock began to rain down on central Alabama, the largest of which landed on Mrs. Hodges. Somewhat humorously, Hodges lived across the street from <laughs> the Comet Drive-In. <laughs> <laughs> How ironic that is, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. Well, the next question was where this meteorite had come from, not just generally like from space, but where in space? Well, most experts believe the rock came from an asteroid called 1685 Toro, which had been discovered just six years earlier. Now, the unusual thing about this object is that it was regularly orbiting the Earth in an odd configuration, causing some to refer to it as Earth's second moon. And at the time of the incident, the Earth was passing through the orbital path of Toro. Turns out that the Air Force didn't really want to keep this rock, but what to do with it? Well, the public by this time began to demand that the rock be given back to Anne, and Anne agreed with them. After all, how often do you get hit by a rock from space? Well, Rod, the answer is twice. This was the first time, but there's been another time. In 1992, when a boy in Uganda was hit by a space rock that bounced off a tree and hit him, he didn't get any bruises or anything. So that's two people in ever. <laughs> Let's put it that wow. way. Well, that should have been that, right? Well, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Because you see, Anne and her husband, Eugene, didn't own the house that the rock hit. They were renters of one birdie guy, a recent widow who had coveted that space rock. And she meant to have it, especially after offers for the meteorite began to come in from all over the world, some for as much as $5,000. Oh, wait a minute. Are we going to start talking about lawyers now? Uh, I guess so. From the way it sounds, we're going to. Yeah, we are, Rod. Because Bertie hired a local lawyer to file a lawsuit against the Hodges, the American way, claiming the rock belonged to her because it had hit her property. She actually had a point under the law and should have won, should being the operative word. But you see, the public there in the Sylacauga area was appalled that Mrs. Guy would actually sue Ann Hodges over that meteorite, and feelings were running high in favor of Ann there in town. 
In the end, Birdie decided to settle out of court, giving up her claim to the rock in exchange for $500, which Eugene Hodges felt was a pittance compared to what he could make off it. In fact, Eugene turned down an offer from the Smithsonian Institution to buy the meteorite because he felt it wasn't a large enough offer. He put it up for sale. Unfortunately, by this time, the novelty of the meteorite had worn off. Nobody was interested, including the Smithsonian, for a reason we're going to say here in just a few seconds. Anyway, in 1956, he and Ann just went ahead and donated the meteorite to the Alabama Museum of Natural History, where it remains to this day for you to go down there and take a look at. But you know, Steve, the aftermath of this meteorite almost reminds me of hitting the lottery and then losing everything you've got. Oh, yeah. Yeah, psychologically, that kind of stuff and this kind of stuff, too, wears on you, doesn't it? Yes, it does, because Ann Hodges later suffered a nervous breakdown, which led eventually to her separation from Eugene in 1964. She died of kidney failure at a nursing home in 1972 at the age of 52. Ironically, the day after the meteor blew up in the sky, a local farmer found another chunk in his field. This farmer, Julius McKinney, sold it to an Indianapolis lawyer who had bought it for the Smithsonian. Uh The money paid was enough for the McKinney family to buy a car and a house. Eugene should have sold that rock. He should have. That's right. Yeah. Oh, by the way, the earliest claim of a person being hit by a meteorite comes from 1677 in a manuscript published at Tortona, Italy, which tells of a Milanese friar who was killed by one, although most folks don't believe that, think it's just a story. The actual first person to be known to have been struck by a rock from space was Anne Elizabeth Hodges. Mm. Well, you know, these things, I know, we've only heard of a couple of these things happening, but, you know, in the last few years, with all the technology and cameras and so forth, have you seen those meteorites coming into the atmosphere and the explosions and Mm -hmm. different things like that? It's no wonder. Now, some of these rocks will, well, I shouldn't say rocks, some of them are dust particles, but some of these things never make it through the atmosphere. Well, you remember a couple of years ago, when a meteorite came in over Russia and of course everybody in Russia for reasons we're not going to get into has dash cams. Okay. And there were all these dash cams showing up on YouTube with this meteorite coming down and boom, exploding right there in Russia. And I thought that was Mm -hmm. very fascinating. So I guess that's kind of what they saw down in Silicaga back in the 1950s. Lucky it didn't shatter all the windows like it did in Russia either. You remember that? Oh, yeah, that's true. Shattered windows for a a great distance around the city, I think. Well, folks, that's the story of the first person to be struck by a rock from space, Anne Elizabeth Hodges, part of the history of this place we call home. Thanks for listening. Stories is now available not only on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher, but on a brand new app called Radio Public. If you download the app from the iTunes store or the Google store, then listen to stories. Well, we get a share of revenue, which will help us be able to keep bringing you more of the history of Appalachia. Radio Public also has many of your other favorite podcasts, and you'll be helping them out, too. We're on Facebook at Stories of Appalachia and on Twitter at Story Appalachia. Again, thanks for listening. Till next time, take care. So long, everybody.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.